everyone. Before we start this week's podcast, we would like to inform you that we will touch base with the topic of mental health. It is purely for conversational purposes only. The aim is to raise awareness of the importance of mental health and podcast wellness. It does not form in any medical advice nor treatments. If you are not comfortable with this topic, you can skip this once you hit the five-second pause that we created before we start our conversation on that. Thank you for listening. of the Alchemist podcast, an extension of the blog Alchemist in the Making. I'm your special host today. My name is Gina, the millennial who also finds interest in architecture's relationship with anything and everything. In this special collaborative series titled Is It What You Wanted? We are interested in having conversations on the whereabouts of people's journey in and around architecture. Today, we are joined by a special guest, Daniel Lawson, who is a designer, a marketing consultant, and also a photographer. Getting into architecture, then moving on to something more exciting. Daniel is the one to ask for advice about various views towards architecture and business as a complete package. So I will pass on the mic for him to do a little introduction of himself and get this started. (laughs) Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. My name's Dan. I studied architecture out of high school at at Monash. And at the end of my three years, I decided that I loved studying architecture. I'm still really passionate about it, but I didn't love it enough to go through the decades of of hard work that it would take to be an architect. So after studying a few marketing subjects in my final year, I ended up switching over to doing a master's of marketing. Um, in 2015, I started a business called Prop and Pose Co, which is an event photography, um, videography and photo booth company, uh, which I ran for the last nearly six years until uh, the pandemic kind of threw a spanner in that plan. Um, I finished with a master's of marketing last year from RMIT, and this year has been a a process of figuring out what to do next. So kind of excited about talking about, mm. I guess, architecture and and uh, how the journey started. Uh, so let's look back a little bit of what's the first motive that gets you into architecture? Well, looking back on it, I wish I put a little bit more thought into it. Architecture was a uh-huh. snap decision I made in year seven. I remember I was doing... Uh-huh. I was sitting in maths and we were doing, I think, graphing or some kind of technical drawing. And I thought, mm. oh, yeah, this feels like architecture. Maybe I'd like to be an architect. And I swear I decided sitting in class in year seven that I wanted to be an architect and then put no more thought into it and carried that for the rest of my high school. Um, oh, and okay. I did um, visual communication and design and studio arts mm-hmm. and um, maths and physics and I felt like architecture is a as a mixture between a kind of a, a hard science but also a very creative industry was was right for me and um, I just carried that decision for a, a long time so I I don't really have any 
detailed <laughs> motivation as to why um, it was pretty simple, yeah. really. Well, at least you have these initial thoughts at year seven, not the moments just right before you have to decide what you want to do for the major. Yeah, putting in my uh, my preferences for mm. university. Um, yeah, yeah. So, what do you think of the journey? Like, once you're getting into architecture study, is there any surprise? Is there any shock to your system? <laughs> yeah, I think architecture, the study of architecture is just um, mm. three to five years of pure torture. And, <laughs> um, yeah, in kind of a... Mm. Uh, survival of the fittest way it just um, it just tries to break you and if you don't if you survive then uh, you're either broken or very very tough mm. uh, so that was a surprise I think if there's anything that I I value a lot of things from studying architecture but maybe mm. one of the most important is the work ethic that I got out of it and the ability to put in a ridiculous amount of effort to see the end of a, a creative project Mm-hmm. Yeah. So during the time you were working as a SONA reps, which is the student organization of architecture. Student organized network of architects. Ah, sorry, missing a bit. <laughs> and you even move on to like the Victorian chapter councillor later. What's the experience like? Tell me a bit more about that. Yeah. So in 2014, in my mm. third year of architecture at Monash, um, I put my hand up to be the Monash Sona rep and was lucky enough to be to be chosen to represent Monash um, at the uh, AIA for Sona. Um, and mm. it was that year that that yeah I was uh, put on the chapter council as the student um, student representative. Um, honestly, it mm. felt extremely. I was extremely nervous um, and I felt like the biggest imposter because here I was um, sitting next to Claire Cousins and uh, John Clements the year before he became the mm -hmm. whatever the head of the AIA is and um, Peter Malat and all of these extremely successful Melbourne mm -hmm. architects and I was there just this kid. Um, <laughs> And I felt like, yeah, I felt like I was way out of my depth. But I think they they feel that having a, a student representative or a voice mm -hmm. representing the students is really important. And I was really grateful to be to be there. Mm -hmm. I don't know if uh, if I made any lasting impact, but uh, it definitely made an impact on me. Well, even if you're showing up and just representing us to be there, you are making an impact already for the community. I think I, I, maybe the the most exciting moment of my short career as a chapter counselor was um, I won't name what university it was, but there was a university that um, had a master's degree that did not fit the accreditation criteria, um, oh. and okay. there was a, a a discussion about whether this university and this is one of the best universities in Australia, um, if not the world should lose its accreditation for its master's degree. And if that happened, any student that went to be, that went to get registered as an architect would not have an accredited master's degree, which would be a massive problem. Um, yeah. But probably the most exciting, exciting <laughs> moment. The SONA uh, events that covers a lot of things, say the talk 
every once per month, I can't remember anymore. Once a month, there's an architect coming in to talk about the experience in front of other students. And also, I think to me, one of the highlights with sauna experience as an outsider and as a student, I think would be the archivore that you have organized. Do you want to talk a bit about what that is? And Yeah, so maybe my proudest achievement mm. during my time as a sauna rep was bringing back archivore in 2014 um, mm. and running it again in 2015. Um, I remember um, every, every year the sauna reps get together um, and uh, we spent a weekend in in my year in Anglesey doing uh, all of these different like exercises and sort of group building um, exercises and I made I became really good friends with the representatives from the Victorian universities so uh, from Melbourne and RMIT and Deakin and we were standing on a deck as the sun was setting and I said you know what like every other university profession has a ball so mm. melbourne university has their law ball and their biomedicine ball and these are amazing events that people look forward to every year and architecture didn't have that um, mm. and quite naively i said why don't we have an architecture ball and everybody was like yeah that's a great idea and then mm. nothing happened for a while and we said, yeah, it should be, you know, roughly maybe second week of the uh, uh, second semester before things get really hectic. Uh, and it was maybe a couple months out and we hadn't done anything. Um, and so I said, okay, well, let's do it. And then we, it was quite nerve wracking because we got a uh, $20,000 invoice from wow. the event company um because we had to we had to predict how many tickets we sold and for mm. quite a while it looked like we weren't going to make that target and in the first year the the institute sort of backed us and there was a lot of nervousness but eventually um we smashed the 150 that we originally wanted i think we had about 240 in the first year and um all the universities got together for it and it was uh, yeah. It was just a really great time. Um, and then we did it again the next year. I'm not sure if it's still going, but um, yeah, I learned a lot doing that. Yeah. Do you think this experience kind of drive you into your next step, which is moving on to the marketing for your master rather than continuing architecture? I think architecture definitely gave me a lot of skills that aren't mm -hmm. necessarily related to just design uh, mm -hmm. or architectural thinking yeah um, I mean in in my last year we were presenting twice a week every every studio we would present what we had done up until that point and mm. uh, for a lot of people public speaking doesn't come very naturally and people yeah. get really nervous doing it and quite rightly so but after doing it for for three years I got mm. very very used to it and yeah I think that's a skill that I, I carried over and um, I guess, yeah, I don't know if it really led me into whatever my next step was, but mm -hmm. it, it definitely gave me a lot of, a lot of skills that you just don't get anywhere else. Uh, definitely. I yeah. would say. We will continue talking a bit more about this study experience and then we'll focus on to your business, say the 
props and poles and the pinch point. So doing your study for marketing, do you think the architectural background has an impact? Yeah, absolutely. I think during architecture, mm. there is value in being, being able to understand a lot of different things and being able to do a lot of different things. I think architects mm. are, at least good architects, are forced to put themselves in the position of the people that they're designing for. At least that's always been my yeah. uh, my thoughts, that architects aren't designing for themselves, they're designing for other people. Um, I don't think mm. a lot of architects think that, um, but the good ones do, in my opinion. Um, and I think just the, the various different things that we had to think about in architecture um, and the ability to research and understand clients and and briefs and projects um is a really important skill and collaborating with other people i mean everything was a group project in architecture and um i actually really enjoyed doing group projects and i think that attitude served me really well because everybody else when i was studying marketing just didn't like group projects Mm. and as i said before the work ethic from architecture and just the ability to grind and put in hours and late nights uh, chasing a deadline. Um, mm. It's just a unique, a unique <laughs> skill. Yeah. So I know that the props and pose, your photography experience, you started it basically from your high school. Am I correct? Um, so I, uh, so prop and pose itself was started in 2015. So mm. basically direct the year after I finished architecture and actually starting yeah. that business was, was probably what I thought about the most in third year. Mm. Um, and, but I've been, I've been a photographer since high school, since, um, mm. since my final year and started doing really small stuff, but paid work, um, mm. shooting different things. And then yeah. I had to put that aside for to, to concentrate on architecture, but prop and pose was sort of the next evolution of the things that I was already doing or had mm-hmm. already done. So what is the focus in your photographer? Is there any changes or evolutions during the time, during its lifespan of the six years? Um, yeah, I, I think running any business over that period of time, um, yeah. you... You learn a lot of things that you just don't don't normally get access to when you're either an mm. employee or you're studying, and yeah. it teaches you about, I guess, the realities of of life and business. And mm-hmm. um, I think it the business grew as I grew, if that makes sense. And mm-hmm. I think as yeah, and as I started as I grew up, my my the clients that I worked worked with sort of Mm -hmm. grew up and and I went from doing uh capturing just birthday parties and really simple personal events to um Mm -hmm. working for some really big companies um and doing really exciting work and being I guess uh really well regarded by the people that that worked with us um Mm -hmm. and I guess it 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 helped me almost with my kind of sense of self and my self-esteem that Mm. I am I don't know if I would have been comfortable calling myself a professional photographer right at the start but 
after after six years, um, even somebody who has imposter syndrome like I do, um, I I felt like, you know what, I am a professional photographer mm-hmm. now. Um, mm. So that's sort of how I grew over that time. What I'm curious is, do you think that the architectural background that you have has any impact on or change any decisions or perspective when you're trying to compose your frame uh, when you're taking photos? Not really, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think studying any kind of high-level design, like whether you want to or not, you you gain some kind of creative mm. um, creative skill or um, yeah. or an awareness of aesthetics or something like that so Mm -hmm. um, maybe not directly but i think architecture helped me grow as a creative person um, Mm -hmm. and being a creative person definitely helps when you're a photographer yeah yeah there's definitely some creative themes like our minds behind these two let's say different career Mm -hmm. Uh, after you graduated you kind of set up another company called Pinchpoint. Tell me a bit more. So I started off running my own business as a sole trader. And mm-hmm. I guess a lot of architects would be familiar with uh, being a sole trader. I think that's sort of the way that contract work is going these days. But mm. I don't know. I felt like it's so easy to uh, to be a sole trader. It's so easy to, to apply for an ABN. It literally takes 15 minutes. Um, mm-hmm. And I think I had a lot of self-doubt um Mm. thinking that you know i'm not a real business person because i'm just a sole trader so for a long time i wanted to to start my own company and to be more to treat it more seriously and over the years i developed the idea for pinch point as being a first of all the company that would go on to own prop and pose co uh so it's the the business isn't me anymore the business is is part of a company part of a bigger picture and that would be a a small step towards at the moment what my bigger goal is is to start a marketing agency mm-hmm. um, and uh, with pinchpoint being the the company that owns it i, I think an, an an example would be there's a company called there there are several what they call um fmcg companies which is a marketing jargon for fast moving consumer goods so if yeah. you think about coke and um mm-hmm. toothpaste and shampoo so yeah. um maybe companies like unilever and procter and gamble and even coca-cola owns a lot of different brands so mm-hmm. um coca-cola yeah. is the the parent company and then uh, brands like fanta and mount franklin and stuff like that uh, mm-hmm. are all independent brands that exist underneath a parent company or a bigger corporate structure so mm-hmm. i think somewhere down down the line i have a very short attention span and there are a lot of different things that i'm interested in and want to do and yeah pinch point sort of the framework that i can do all those things under Mm -hmm. and that's that's why i started pinch point might be sounding a little bit boring but i'm interesting how you come up with the name (laughs) pinch point (laughs) so i it's funny i almost come up with brand names before i come up with the company itself oh Um, okay so i will I will have an idea for a business name mm. and I'll think, I really like that name. I want to create something worthy of that name. And I was literally driving down down Punt Road next to a truck and there was a big sign on the 
on the side of the truck that mm-hmm. said pinch point because a pinch point in a machine is somewhere that your hand can get stuck um yeah and it's is quite a hazard um and i thought i really like that word um mm. and i like alliteration uh, obviously because prop and pose um so i thought it was really fitting um yeah. and i've had it it sort of fit the the thoughts and feelings that i had around what i wanted to do and it it just felt like the right the right name um mm-hmm. to to represent th- that idea mm. i also find it really interesting just like really catchy <laughs> thank you yeah so you kind of close props and co because of the pandemic and i'm pretty sure you know there will be a day that for it to reopen and running so what what's the next plan what is in play for you at this point what's the goal yeah so um uh, a couple of weeks ago or early mm-hmm. early october um mm-hmm. i registered a, another business name underneath prop and pose co um, okay called touch contact uh, or touch contact agency and i've been spending the last week working mm-hmm. on the website and working on different ideas for essentially what would be a marketing agency that would offer services to other businesses to help them grow um, or help them create content and try and use that photography videography skill that i've already got mm. um, and just try and do some new and interesting things um, and hopefully things that can help other businesses recover from the pandemic and and try and um, get back to normal or, or do things in a new mm. way that that uh, there are so many different new things that people need to adjust to and i feel like i can i have i have things to offer to help help people mm. work better on the other side of this pandemic yeah why not just reopen the props and coat again <laughs> uh well i yeah so i feel like one thing that we learn in marketing is brand mm-hmm. uh, and yeah. brand identity and um mm. There is so much literature that goes into the idea of brand. Um, mm. And I think it's really important, personally, that a brand has a very clear purpose, mm-hmm. um, a very clear market and identity and personality. Mm. And I really like the Prop and Pose brand um, that that I created over the years, um, but it doesn't quite suit what I want to do, um, mm-hmm. I guess what I want to do now is is a lot more technical and a lot more professional and innovative. Um, but mm-hmm. Prop and Pose is very friendly and down to earth, uh, yeah. and and serves a very particular purpose. So mm-hmm. yeah, so that's why I I suppose you can understand why I would start something like Pinchpoint, which is the the parent to all these different <laughs> other projects that that yeah. can do different things but are organized quite similarly mm. um so that's why that's why i wanted to start kind of with a clean slate yeah totally makes sense do you think the business models for the majority of companies they will shift on to a new state say they will move everything online what's your thoughts generally yeah i've i've thought about what work is going to look like for for companies on the other side of the pandemic um mm-hmm. and i know there are there are big companies like um twitter has um announced that they will be completely work from home uh even mm-hmm. after the pandemic and a lot of other companies are are following suit mm. but i i don't agree with the people that say that that we're going to work like this for the rest of 
rest of time. I, mm-hmm. uh, and mostly because I really hope that we don't. Um, I personally don't enjoy working from home. Um, mm-hmm. I don't enjoy working by myself. I've done it for six years now. And um, honestly, there are times that I really hate it. Yeah. And I believe that businesses will work on a hybrid approach um, mm-hmm. on the other side of the pandemic. Um, I work out of a co-working space. I think spaces like that will be really important. I think mm-hmm. a majority of just the work can be done from home. So, I don't know, writing reports or uh, or drawings or creating, you know, design packages or, or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. That stuff can all be done in private at home. But I think the really important collaborative brainstorming and design work and ideation Mm -hmm. that has to be done in real time face-to-face in a group and i don't think the virtual solutions are 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 quite ready for that yet Uh, Mm. so i think i've been i've been working on some ideas that that sort of brings together the two um i'm i'm working on a uh i suppose like a, a live streaming kind of zoom teleconferencing um videography service um whether it be doing more complex multi-camera online streaming events and um Mm -hmm. either meetings or webinars or things like that and i think designing for a mixture of in-person or virtual work uh, is Mm -hmm. really important definitely i just when you're speaking just now i was actually thinking about you know how architecture is a career that planning for the future. I think you might not aware, but like this character or like this aspect of you is actually carry on to another things when you're making and you're creating, say that you designing in this uh, new brands and trying to create all these like new things. It's in you. You just couldn't like extract it clearly. Like, okay, this is the architecture side of you. Mm-hmm. And this is the marketing side of you. Yeah, I just find it really fascinating. <laughs> yeah, I think um, one thing that we learn in marketing is to essentially design products for customers. That's mm-hmm. the that's the role of a marketer. It's not just advertising. It's about creating products for customers. Mm. And arguably, architecture is creating spaces for clients, um, mm. which is very a, a very similar idea at the at a basic level, and um, one thing that we learn is uh, called CX, customer experience um, design, mm. and it's very similar to to the idea of architecture. How do people use this product? How do people use this space? How do people move through it? Um, mm. What does somebody's life look like um, with this product or with this? Um... So, mm. it's yeah, it's it's definitely not a separate part of me, the architecture side. It's, it's all, uh, it's all just one, uh, one thing really. Yeah. Now I'm going to talk about something that I'm also really interested in, like personally, a couple of years ago when I was doing my master, I was involved in a project that is working with the Dementia Australia, promoting future environment and what is the built environment that will make people feeling more comfortable to suit the trend happens? And it's starting to get me to looking more into this uh, mental health and architecture-related subject. 
Then about two years ago, I joined in this、uh, nonprofit organization called Wave of Wellness. Basically, what they do is trying to promote mental health by encouraging people to go on surfing. So they're teaching people skills to go surfing, and、mm-hmm. you know, when they're doing surfing and outdoor activities, they are pretty much relaxed and forget about the things that might stuck in their head. I think it's pretty important these days. You know, the, the "Are You Okay?" campaign is going pretty strong everywhere. Yeah, I I know that there was a time. That you are advocating for mental health as well, if you are comfortable in talking about this. So, what has happened? And are you still the advocator for it? Yeah, I think、um, I identify really strongly with having a purpose in life. I think everybody should have、mm-hmm. a purpose. And you know, as I navigate this crazy life,、um, I f- I feel like mental health is such an important thing to talk about. Um, and I really hope that I can be a、uh, mental health advocate and、uh, try and share my story and try and talk about it and normalize it.、Um, and yeah, I suppose my my story with mental health began、uh, when I engaged with a nonprofit called Headspace,、um, which is a very very important um, foundation um, or service. Offering free mental health care for young people、um, mm-hmm. most at risk, and I first saw a Headspace psychologist in 2014.、Um, just、mm. for as life was really difficult back then.、Uh, I mean, life is difficult for everybody, but、um, I think I was I was struggling, and、um, I wanted to do something about it. So started talking to、uh, and and seeing fairly regularly at. Headspace psychologist, and eventually then got diagnosed with、um, mild anxiety and depression in 2014,、um, which was sort of managed、uh, seeing a psychologist.、Um, and then eventually I stopped because I sort of kind of made some improvements. And then、um, a few years later, in 2017,、uh, or at, I guess 2016, 2017 was a、um, a really Difficult couple of years for me personally,、um, mm-hmm. and I I would go on to find out that I was、uh, suffering th- through some pretty、uh, heavy kind of depression symptoms, and there were days、mm-hmm. where I I remember being at uni in RMIT, and、uh, I got up out of bed really late because I just couldn't get up, and eventually I pulled myself up out of bed because I had a lecture to go to. And I went to that lecture, and as soon as that lecture was over, I just went home and then went back into bed that afternoon. And、um, that happened a few times. And towards the towards the end,、um, as it was sort of getting worse, I thought I need to do something about this. This is not this is not how I want to live.、Uh, I I want to try try and do something about it. And、um, yeah. turns out I eventually got diagnosed with ADHD. Which is something that I've had my entire life,、uh, which is something that、um, people are born with,、uh, and actually a lot of people don't know. But ADHD、mm. is hereditary, so most children that get diagnosed with ADHD,、uh, there's a fifty percent chance that one of their parents has it, which is a fun fact, I guess. In Australia, we're we're really lucky; we've got quite a good mental health system.、Um, mm. And when you get diagnosed with ADHD,、um, You are put on a mental health care plan, and that plan entitles you to、um, Medicare subsidised 
psychologist appointments and I was actually able to go back and see the psychologist I was seeing at Headspace. Um, and it's really important to have, to de- develop a relationship with your psychologist uh, and an understanding. And I guess after years of, of seeing the same one, and I still do, I've been able to make huge improvements in my, my mental health and my ability to, to cope and manage. And um, I mean, I feel like so many people realize that the difficulties that they go through aren't normal in the sense that they don't have to um, struggle alone or they don't have to, uh, there's, there's something that they can, I don't know, do about it, but um, that there is an explanation for these things that they're feeling and that, that there are people that they can talk to. Uh, And I think I'm, I'm doing really well now, but I I will still continue to see the psychologist for as long as I can. And I think Mm. everybody could really use, gain a lot from talking to a professional um, to learn coping strategies and, uh, and things like that. So that's sort of my, uh, my journey up until now. And I think I want to talk about um, mental health and business and trying to, to feel successful and, um, and cope in a really competitive world. So I think as the years go on, that's, that's going to be my focus as well. Well, I just like, to me, I feel like, you know, cause we, we are in a really high pressured career or environment every day. And as a designer, there's also a responsibility in us that we should be able to bring up the conversation providing an option so topics and bringing the conversation for people to feel safe to talk about this and stuff so that's also part of my passions and things that i'm interested in so yeah i think that's great mm. <laughs> so uh, just moving on to if you were to write a letter to yourself either to the past or to the future what what would you say to the young then or the elder then <laughs> Um, that's a really tough question. Um, I think actually there is, uh, in the, the type of, um, therapy that I, I do, there's, um, I do something called schema therapy and that's, um, a part of that is actually, um, reaching out to your younger self and, um, uh, and trying to, to, to change the language um, of your, I guess, inner child or your past self. Um, so there is an element of, of, you know, what would you say or, or, or actually saying these things to your, your past self. Um, <clears throat> but if I was to write a letter to my past self, I think I would try and instill hope and, um, yeah, mostly just hope that, that things are, you know, you're on the right path as long as you're mm. moving forward, as long as you're just trying to be a little bit better every day mm. and that life is hard, but it's that difficulty that gives you um, mm. strength and makes you, um, it gives you a, a story and makes you um, interesting. So don't be, almost be grateful for 
for the challenges that you face because they're going to make you a, be a better person mm. in the end. Mm. So I guess this also linked to our big title series and topic. If you're looking back, do you think, is it what you wanted? <laughs> um, the big question. Mm, the big question. Yeah, absolutely. I... Ah, <laughs> <laughs> Done. <laughs> Podcast over. Um, I... I have made the choice that I don't want to regret anything that happens. Um, mm. I don't want to have any yeah. regrets. Um, and I've had a lot of challenges, um, but I've had a lot of really good times. And I am happy now. I'm happy with the person that I am. And everything that's happened in the past is what's gotten mm. me to this point. So if I'm happy now, I must be happy with everything that happened. And so... Yes, this is exactly what I wanted. This is as as much as I could ever possibly have wanted as as a a, a younger person or or whenever really. It's mm. wonderful. That's good. Means you're like really happy with what you are. Of course, like if the pandemic didn't happen, it would be even better. <laughs> yeah, honest, honestly, um, I feel almost guilty for feeling this, but um, the the pandemic's been really good for me um oh yeah it's a really really strange thing to come to terms with but i maybe this is something that i got from architecture but i constantly work mm -hmm. on the edge of burnout every single day right. and okay i i've been doing that for years mm -hmm. and the pandemic gave me no excuse but to stop uh or nothing to do mm -hmm. but stop and i've gotten to catch up on on rest and life and um it's given me time to think about things that i would never have the time to yeah and maybe it's it, it kind of goes to that lack of regret but i choose mm. to be grateful for what is good um and mm -hmm. to accept what is bad uh, the things that are out of my control and just try and make the best of it mm -hmm. and i think there was another thing that i wanted to say which is maybe a lesson if there's only one thing that people take away from 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 me is that a lot of people feel like they work in order to be happy in the future. A lot of people work for, um, you know, I, I'm going to work 40, 60 hours a week now so that I can retire someday or, uh, you know, I'm, I am unhappy now so I can be happy in the future. I will be happy when I have this thing. I will be happy when I have a lot of money or, you know, mm -hmm. I will be happy in the future. But I guess one thing that I've learned is to try and just be happy with what you have now and you will live a really fulfilled life. Um, or if yeah. you can if you can choose and believe, if, if you're able to choose to be happy, which is obviously not always possible, but... Um, if you can, then you will be the most successful person ever uh, because yeah. many people decide that they will be happy in the future and the future never comes. Um, yeah. So try and be happy with what you have basically is, is the message. Living on the moment of now. Yeah, yeah. Although I think a lot of people use that to justify really maladaptive things um but there's mm. 
Yeah, it's it's maybe it's not so much about doing what is pleasurable right now. It is seeking happiness in in the now and not delaying it because mm. um, you don't know how long you have. Uh, so yeah, be. It's going into a dark place. <laughs> but I think, yeah, uh, I mean, in marketing or in economics, scarcity drives value um the less there is of something the more valuable it is and um Mm. we don't know how much time we have but it's the fact that we only have so much of it that that is um what makes Mm. life so special this really did go to a dark Mm. place (laughs) (laughs) but it's a good life lessons and yeah yeah focus on focus on what you have and just try and do whatever Mm. you can to to be happy in a really deep and fulfilling way. I think this will be a really, really wonderful closing off comments. Do you have any other things that you wanted to add in? Uh, no, I think I've I've said everything that I, I can. Yeah, uh, so maybe we can do the introduction of your social media handles and any special uh, links and website that you wanted to drive us to and visit and pay attention to. Yeah, well, if you want to hear more from me, um, I I write on my website, which is um, danlsn.com.au. Mm-hmm. Um, I post to Instagram fairly irregularly at uh, dan.lsn. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes uh, have Twitter arguments with people at... Uh, and that's <laughs> at underscore danlsn. But website's probably the best place that people can... What's the general topics that you have and write on your website? Yeah, so the the website is honestly something that I'm I'm creating for myself, but also as a just a representation of who I am. So mm. in the in the blog I I write about a lot of different things. I write about um, almost like a public journal talking about what I think and how I feel, but also about um, marketing and business and just my experiences with living the life that I've chosen to lead. So, mm-hmm. um, if, yeah, if, if anybody wants to get to know me a little bit better, that, uh, is my, my heart on my sleeve is that website. All right. Thanks so much, Dan, again, for joining us on this special series. If you're interested in following Dan's journey, you can find Dan's social media handle, which we will link those onto our notes. Otherwise, if you have other interesting topics that you would like us to explore, please send us a message via Instagram at Alchemist in the Making. This special episode was recorded and produced by Gina Her. In the meantime, stay safe and we will see you in the next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks, everyone.